So, we are in the last paragraph on 192, or Mem Bet 44b, Rabbi Akiva Omer. We did a little bit last time and mostly uh, ate and celebrated. Thank you to Jane and all those who put it together. So, um, without further ado, but we're going to go on and, and talk about certain foods. Uh, we'll also t- well, we'll see some of them have medicinal kind of arrangement of help. Some of them don't. Some of them will are not good for you, as you will see. And then we will finish off with uh, with a phrase which is really very very important um, that I want to spend a few minutes on too. Okay. So, who'd like to read today? All right, Nesia Bavakasha. Everybody have it. Okay. Wow. Very good. Only took 30 years. <laughs> There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> okay, so you remember the question was whether, whether you had to say the blessing afterwards, right? And then we collect from the blessing beforehand. Rakivia says, even if you eat shelek, and what is shelek? Like a stew, some sort of uh, thing mixed up all together. According to him, that's a, a full meal as such. And the question was, is that really mizono? Is that really a full meal? Kelach is sort of the, the peel, the outside, and kruv is cabbage. Okay, so it's like a cabbage stew. That is that. So the question is, is it filling or not? Okay. It can be very okay. It can be very filling. Okay, and therefore, according to Rabbi Akiva, it's like a meal. Therefore, you have to recite the blessing afterwards. Because what's the issue? What's the real issue? Be satisfied. Be satisfied. Okay, as the Torah talks about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so tchol is the spleen. Okay, which it still is. Okay, yafela shinaim. It's good for your teeth and bad for your digestive system. <laughs> okay, krishin. How do they translate krishin? Leaks. Okay, I don't know. If that's uh, I don't, what's the I don't know. That's I don't think that's word is used today. Um, sure. No, no, English. I know. Jeez. <laughs> 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 All right, but, but in, in in Hebrew, I don't think the word. Do you know what the word for leaks is? Favorite. I'll go get look. Why don't you look it up? Okay. Okay. What? It's Torah washer, not Christian. But there is there are leaks in Torah the children of Israel. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Very good. It's not, but that's not Krishin either. I forget what it is either. Huh? What? It says Krishna. Really? Okay. Okay. I'm a little surprised. I don't. Then I don't. I don't. Never asked for it, so it doesn't matter. Krishin lashinaim. It's not good for your teeth, but it's good for your digestive system. What? Okay, so koyarak chai, a, a vet living vegetable. I mean something which is raw, morik. Uh, All right, morik seems to be. Empty. Hmm. Empty. Well, I think it means it means it's not necessarily good for. Well, how do they translate it? Pales. Okay. Okay. It makes you makes you pale. In other words, it's not good. 
for, for you. The Chol Katan Maktin. All right? It's something that's not fully matured, fully grown. Is again not good for you. It hurts you. It's hurt for you. The Chol Nefesh Meshivet Nefesh. Meshiva Nefesh. We'll understand that a little bit later. Everything that, in a sense, has a, we'll call a soul, is the best way to put it, but it, it's not a soul in this case, we'll see. Meshiva is good for the soul. The Chol Karov Nefesh Meshivet Nefesh. And everything that's close to the soul, or we'll call the living body, the living thing, is also good for it. They'll come back and explain each of these, if that in a little bit later, because it's, it's a very odd phrase. Okay? But it, ha- it all has to do now with what is good for you in terms of the, the eating habits. These were things that people ate, and is it good for your, your teeth? Okay, remember teeth in those days, what was the problem? People lost teeth all the time. Remember, we all studied scurvy and all that kind of stuff when they did the sea voyages, etc. There wasn't hygiene of teeth whatsoever. Okay, so you try to make sure that you ate foods at least that may not have been deleterious to it. And clearly your digestive system. Again, toilets were not as available. I mean, just again, just think of the reality. Okay, so if something doesn't, you don't feel good, so you have, hopefully you're at home and you have a toilet there, which was not the case then, obviously. And public bathhouses and everything else that goes with it. So it's, it's like warning more than anything else. Be careful with these kinds of things. Okay, kruv lamazon is so cabbage is food. Utritradin. Teret is normally is it's spinach. I saw it translated as beets. Okay, but teret today is spinach. That's selic is beets. Hmm. is beets. Okay, but. I saw the tra- that's what I saw as a translation too. Oy la bayit. Okay. Okay. Now what the, what the Rashi says oy la bayit la keres means for your, your kishkas. Not just the house. Okay. Shalefet over bitoho. And what's lefet? Turnips. Okay. It's not good for you. Okay. Again, they're, they're dealing with things that are some things are are raw and some things that are cooked okay and the the in many cases they're dealing with things that are raw that are not good for you and therefore they're telling you be careful more than anything else okay which we had above now we're going we're going to we brought back this mar 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 simply means as we said above it's been stated the spleen is good for your teeth but difficult for your digestive system. Anybody had spleen before? You mean hmm? the organ? It's an organ. It's an organ. Okay. Milt is milt, right? Is that part of Jerusalem Grill? Right. That, that's what I was thinking of too. Part of the Jerusalem Grill may be part of that. You may not want to eat it again. <laughs> All right. Is some of the organs? What? What? What what do you do then if you're going to eat? You come to somebody's house and they give you a delicacy, spleen, and they put it on your plate. 
what do you do when you know it's not good for your teeth? It's good for your teeth, but not for your kishkas. <laughs> you chew it and spit it out. That's really okay. It doesn't look too good if you're a guest, to say the least. Or you chew it and see that where the dog is sitting. <laughs> then I don't have a dog. <laughs> Or, oh, gee, it fell. And everybody does the same. Some of this concern about raw vegetables, the fact that, that they may be not clean. As sure, as absolutely. As opposed to cooking them. Absolutely. I mean, to, to, again, even today you're careful of raw vegetables, especially in the day, times of pesticides and those kinds of things. All right. Um, you know, cooking it already... Takes off some of that stuff. Sure, absolutely. Okay, so we're back to the, the statement of before that it's good, it's difficult for the teeth and good for the, the kishkas. Basically, swallow it whole. <coughs> Don't chew it. Don't chew it. That's really helpful. Okay. So, I mean, when you think of spinach or, or beets or something, if you cut them up to little pieces, I guess it's possible. But if it's going to hurt your teeth, but it's good for your kishkas, okay, what, what do we do? You know, very often, of course, vitamins and all, all medicines, you gently swallow it. Right? You don't chew it up. So, it is, it, clearly, we do it all the time. We just don't think of it as foods. You always tell your kids, chew it well before you swallow it. But... Well, even said it's hard. We had them. Okay, so now we go back to what Larry said. Everything that is raw is not literally is not good for you. It makes you pale, which means it's not good for you. That's in particular what's hakazat hakazat dam the let letting go of blood bloodletting. Absolutely, absolutely bloodletting. Okay, we know that in in, in in ancient societies that that's they thought that that was a way to cure somebody of a disease that you blood you take out their parts of their blood because it may have been diseased poisoned whatever the case may be. Bloodletting occurred for many things. And what, what did they very often use? Leeches. Leeches, exactly. Leeches and worms. Okay? So, again, you've got to put yourself back into that reality. So they're saying, in particular, it's not good after you've had bloodletting that you shouldn't have raw vegetables. So if you're into that, just be careful. Okay? All right, so Rabbi Yitzchak gives us a very, what we call an Eitzat Tova. All right, it's not good to eat raw vegetables before Arba Sha'od. What is Arba Sha'od? Early in the morning. Okay, remember hours are different. Here You feel it today. Okay, because... The concept of hours in those days were not 60 minutes, but they were based on daylight and nighttime divided into 12. So an hour during the summer is longer than 60 minutes, 
and an hour during the winter is shorter for 60 minutes, which is why the fast day today is really so short. It started at about 6 o'clock in the morning and ends about 5 o'clock this afternoon. Still an 11-hour fast. What? Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> you can't have your bug finger schnapps for 11 hours, I apologize. <laughs> so, when you come down to that, okay, but if you, when you come to, yeah, the, the, there's not too many, there's, okay, so what, when, what fast day is a, is a day fast during the summer? Hmm? No, the Tisha Bob's up 25 hours, 24 Shiva Sarvatamuz. Yeah, 17th day of Tammuz is dawn to, to the, it's a longer than 12 hour fast because it's during the summer. Okay, so hours therefore really change. It's not just, gee, you begin at uh, 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the morning, you really figure out. And, and they're what known as Sha'od Zmaniyot. Okay, and it, it's very important if you really keep to halakhic times of when you can put on Talisman Tefillin in the morning, what's the earliest you can dub in Mincha. All those things are based on that time period. So when you, when the modern custom now to fast on Yom uh, HaShoah, when I do that, yes, I do it like a tisha boat. So it's twenty five hours. Twenty five hours. Which custom? You know, what time? Yeah, no, I do. I fast like tisha boat. Okay. Twenty five um, hours. Twenty five hours. And those who were with me on the March of Living trip last year know that that's what I did. Okay. Yeah. So that's because I, I believe it's equivalent to the to the tisha boat concept and not <coughs> seventeen you know, the seventeen Tammuz or even the, or the tenth of Tevi. So it's not an issue for that. This will be longer anyhow. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this Shalot Zmaniyot are very important. The only time, I, I, in Emeah Sharim, I was once in a, I think it was a Brux lover yeshiva, if I remember correctly, and they had the time, I look at my watch, and that's not the same time that I see on the watch. They had it by Shalot Zmaniyot. They had it by, you know, so you could follow when to Dab Mincha and all those kind of things. So, okay, so. I guess, I don't know. Somebody's got to have a job. So, but 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 if you want to find out, really, if it go on to, and there are a number of sources on the web today of of a halachic zman, of when you can put on tefillin, how early you can daven, when you can put on talis, when is the earliest mincha, when is the later mincha, and all that. All the apps have it. All of right. All the apps have it, and it's very helpful for people who travel and are concerned about it. If you're not concerned about it. Hmm? Just ask the guys on our well, okay. <laughs> but now are you there when somebody has an early morning trip somewhere, etc. This time of, of the year is, is really very tough. Mishum <laughs> Recha. You shouldn't have early vegetables early in the morning because <laughs> smell. The smell of what? Yes, of your breath. Of your breath. That's what they're talking about. Of your breath. I mean, you haven't eaten other things as well, which may mitigate the smell. It's your breath that they're talking about. So we, okay, so that's what he really means. Okay, Ve- vegetables that are raw before four hours, you shouldn't do it because it's not polite. They didn't get up and brush their teeth in the morning, guys. I mean, that's just what it is. So, so. Are they talking to the students, the young students at the Shivot? I mean, who, who is the same dad? 
I think, you know, that's a good question. I would presume it's just Eitzah Tova, you know, it's like we tell, we tell things, uh, well, you shouldn't do X, yeah. uh, okay? Are they really meant, is it really meant for one person, okay? It, when, when you put out things about um, even foodstuffs, okay, this isn't good for you. Yeah. It's really meant for everybody, I would think, and not just, just you know, the, the students that are listening to them. It's things that became prevalent in, in, in society in that realm that they tried to share. But so I don't know exactly who they were speaking to in that sense. Could have been their students. It could have been just and yeshiva at large. Would transfer more broadly because yeah, well, of course. It goes from disciple and then on to the next one, etc. And as usual, you forget the real reason because all you heard was, oh, I shouldn't eat vegetables early in the morning. Oh, okay. Guess I won't have my salad. I mean, I mean, no. mm-hmm. Okay, so Amemar, Marzutra, and Ravashi. So we're at the last part of the Talmudic period in Babylonia. They were sitting together. And naturally, they brought raw vegetables before them, before the four hours. Okay, so Amemar and Ravashi ate it. And he didn't, and Marzutra didn't. Okay, they said to, don't you know what we already learned? And here goes, he goes back to Richard to your question. This seems to have been known as part of the, you know, the the statements of of rabbis that that they tried to follow. Okay, so now, okay, so. Damar Rabbi Yitzchak, don't you know? He said, "Why are you eating this?" Kol alchel yerek kodem arba shaot, asur lesaper hemenu. You'll notice that that's an addition. Okay, all we have above is you shouldn't do it. Why? Kekem mishum recha, asur lesaper hemenu. Why mishum recha? Here they have kol alchel yerek arba shaot. He's put it all together into one phrase. Asur lesaper hemenu. Why? So that seems to have been the accepted version, and you shouldn't eat that because what's mishumreka? Because of because of the the smell. Oh, shum is garlic too. Right? No, no, mishum is it? No, no, mishum, mishum. Okay. Not mixed from. Okay. Vaha, vaha. And you're eating, and we're all talking. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, guys. <laughs> okay, so I fully believe that it's true, but it's not that you're not allowed to talk. Okay, that's what it says, Asur Lesapir. Right? So, I understand what that is, but I don't necessarily agree. The question is, can I eat it? No, but it's the question is, am I allowed to talk to others? And I didn't really hold by that. That's really the, the issue um, in, in this case. Okay. Everything that's sm- what's small, and what small means it's not f- fully grown or matured. It's not literally, matin means in this case, it's not good for you. Maybe carrots. Hmm? Baby carrots. No, well, they're matured already. I mean, okay, something which has to. Okay, something which 
which is supposed to grow if, if you eat an unripe plum okay an unripe peach that kind of thing those things are not really good for you okay the carrots are different they, they grow that way it's a different story they're small but okay Gadia you all know from Gadia Bar Zuza Okay, and zoos you know too. The Zabin Abba Bitre. Very good. You're still all awake by the end of the Seder. Very impressed. All right. So, meaning even that, even uh, that it is worth a zoos, which means very small. Okay, but that is if it hasn't grown to at least a quarter of its normal size. If it's, but if it's grown to a quarter of its normal size, it's okay. All right. So, in other words, take, you know, take fruit as such. Okay. At a certain point, let's take a plum. At a certain point, it's okay to eat it. But at a certain, you know, at a certain point, it's not okay to eat it, and it'll. It's not good for your digestive why, why don't system. Why that the fruit or the vegetable is immature as opposed to being small? Because I don't know the word for immature in this case. What does immature literally mean? Not, not, not ripe, not I understand that. Yeah. But they've understood it as, as small, and, and they therefore they understood it in terms of, what would you say, the gadi? Would you call that as immature? Yeah, they've, done, they've actually done it in terms of an animal, not the fruit. So, okay? Again, the language is something that was understood by them. Okay? I don't know that the word ripe would be understood in the same realm fully grown. I mean, we have a concept that of, of, you know, being able to understand certain kinds of things that to them were used in different phrases where they may have meant the same thing, but the phrases used to describe them were going to be a little bit different. Okay. And so. <coughs> Okay, so kol nefesh meshiv nefesh. Everything that is literally a soul or a being, something of of uh, of growth, meshiv nefesh. It's good for you. Amar Papa filu kildane deve gile, which seems to be even the smaller things amongst the other smaller things. All right. Um, according to the way Steinzel says it, dagim kitanim agdelim bein hakanim, even small fish growing among the the rushes, the bulrushes. Okay, they're still okay, the, even, okay, even though they've not grown to their full length. Okay, so again, if you've gone fishing, you just kind of know which ones you want to keep and which ones you don't want to keep. You're not going to keep the little ones like this. Well, sometimes it's illegal now. Okay. Well, not the legality, but just you know. But, but if they get to a certain size, the same kind of thing, because you know what? It's not. What are you going to do with them when they're that small? All right. Just skinning them and everything else under the sun, just not worth it. But it's obviously not good to you, unless it unless it is that of that size already, and that's what you're looking for. All right. Everything that's close. I would say nefesh would be the lifeblood in this case, is good for you, such as unka. Unka is the neck, the savar. Okay. Again, the uh, necks of chickens and everything today it's very difficult to get them. 
as you know, um, but they're considered to be delicacies. Go into Moroccan homes and every place else, you can get them in Israel relatively easy. It's very difficult here. When, I may have told the story, when, when Brian and I moved to uh, New York, Brian's, our uncle, or Brian's uncle, was a, was a kosher butcher in Brooklyn. And uh, he could get anything he wanted. The feet, the neck, you know, all things. Because Brian wanted to put in the chicken soup. We never ate the darn thing, you know, etc. So we would normally meet, and my aunt, Brian's aunt, would work at Macy's. So Brian usually take, we were living in Riverdale, just take the subway down, meet her at Macy's, and schlep this thing of <laughs> necks and <laughs> feet and everything else on the subway back to Riverdale. <laughs> you didn't want to be around her at that time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Why are they hard to get here? Why they hard to get here? They don't. I don't think they sell them. There, I don't think it's so easy to get. I love them. Oh, okay. Huh? In the cut-up stuff, but it's that's not. My father was telling a story about a fellow from Israel was a butcher, and he went to the United States and became a dog racing. Greyhound. Yeah, dog. He came to visit the butcher. And and they, they asked him, what do you give the dog? And he said, the neck, the liver, the, the uh, spleen, and so He said, don't believe him. I mean, they couldn't believe it because it was a delicacy. Right, so dealt right. And it was, so that's what they do. They sell it to, you know, the industry. Right. It's, it's, it's considered, it's, it is a delicacy, and especially if there, what, in Israel where there was not a lot of meat for a long period of time because it's sent and everything, it was eaten by everybody. I'm sure. It's still okay. the I mean, that's what hmm? it is. It's organized. Yeah, yeah. It's like the spleen. It's the next kind of thing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, so he said to his, uh, his servant, as such. Okay, so when he, sa he said to his Shamae, is really a servant, Shamash, close as we can say, Kimaiteli, when you bring me Umsa de Bisra, a volume, something of of omit, of, of, of uh, meat, Trach, make sure of Aiteli Mehecha, make sure you bring it from where Dimikravle Baruch, from the place that is blessed. And what's the place that's blessed? Shechted. The word shechted. Okay, from the neck. That, that's meshiv nefesh. In other words, what is the lifeblood, if you will? The neck, because he cannot cut off the head. It'll die. All right? So it's meshiv nefesh. It's good for you. He's not saying buy it from the guy who shechts it. I want fresh meat. He's saying... No, but deliberately get that. That's what I want to eat. The spot. Right, right. Because... Because he's taking it as the statement above. That's the, the sort of proof of the statement above that kol um, meshiv nefesh, etc. Okay. Okay. That's what we had before. Okay. So kruv, cabbage is good, considered to be food as such, and tradin. As I said, we translate it as the modern spinach. I saw it translated in, in the, in, as beets, is good for medicinal purposes. Okay, and what about cabbage? It's not good. Okay, for medicinal purposes. So they're going to bring you now six things that are good 
for medicinal purposes in terms of uh, foodstuffs. Okay, so six things, all right, are going to be able to cure you from your sickness. Rufua, tan rufua. Okay, so again, remember we're not dealing with times of antibiotics and penicillins, which is not that long ago when you really come down to it. Okay, so they used it, bloodletting was part of, of medicinal per, uh, concepts, foods, isolation, I mean all the things that we've talked about, as you, as you know, today, thank God, that's where medicine has really improved to a large extent and is able to take care of us in a much better way. Yes, sir. How does a later wait, 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 no, yeah. How does a later commentator like Maimonides, who was a physician, react to some of this stuff? Again, Maimonides was a physician, but he lived at a time when this was still the prevalent way of uh, understanding medicine. Okay. You know, medicine as we know it is really relatively new. Okay? And the advancements of the last few decades are just phenomenal just phenomenal when you come to think of it, okay? Go back to your parents or grandparents when we were children, okay? And you got sick. Castor oil, cod liver oil, isolation, all those things, okay? And it, scarlet fever, I mean all of these things that we kind of take for granted are, are, are you know, that we get vaccines for and everything else to, today. Today people are swearing off vaccines too, as you know. It's a whole argument in the educational circles. Yeah, right. Okay, so the 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 danger of seventy-five to hundred years is so we may live a very long time, but they haven't figured out the brain yet. I've told my daughter Shira, she's a, as you know a neuropsychologist. She will always have a job because I don't believe we understand the brain. So we may our bodies may live. The question is what's going to be up here. We've not figured that part out. But they're, they're coming to it. I mean, no, I think I personally think they're right. far away from it. Yes. I don't think that they they figured out even close. Oh, we have this thing for you know uh, dimension and all that. They haven't come close. All they they have they're trying to just verify maybe a gene or something. They haven't been able to do it yet. But it's like uh, Miller uh, and Yuri in the fifties when they uh, created amino acids from ammonia. Mm-hmm. They thought within half a century or within 20 years we'd have the, uh, the source of life. We'd be actually able to create life. And we're nowhere closer. Uh, and, and again, think of, uh, we've made tremendous advancements in medicine. We still haven't been able to cure many of the diseases that kill so many people. We haven't made any advances in civilization either. That's a different story. <laughs> we may be going backwards, but that's, a, that's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> so what what foods prove so here that's why this is brought so cabbage is supposed to be have medicinal purposes utradin okay again beets umesisin vash okay so they translate that as if you look at there's a picture here of something it's some sort of commute Chamomile, it seems to be. If you can look at, he says, Matricia camomilla. So, the, the from the, the the flower is some sort of dvash, equivalent of. Um, what says? Mm-hmm. Of what? 
chamomile water, no? Okay. Macy seen? Keva. What's keva? The, the innards. The stomach. Keva is a stomach. Herod. Herod. Nobody seems to know exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, he's, they say it's shemacher lorechem. It's another word for the stomach. Okay, from where the child is born. Others say it is. Uh, it's where they give forth the. Um, you know, um, um, what's the word? Basically, when, when they when they milk, when they get where the place that they give for the udder. The udder. The udder. Okay, so how do they translate it? Herod? Mine it just says Herod. Good, so it's, it means they don't know what it is. Herod. Yeah, okay, they don't know what it is. So, at least in, in, in the Steinsaltz here, he says there are two possibilities. Some sort of when dealing with the digestive stomach area or the udder area. Vyoteratakavid. Okay, and what's Vyoteratakavid comes a lot in, uh, in, in Vayikra. Mentioned the things that you should eat and, and, and not eat. What is your teradakavid? Okay, basically the leftover part of the liver. So, so these are the things that are supposed to help you if you're sick. All right, spinach was not, when you were growing up was not usually your favorite item, but your mother always said to you, eat your spinach. Right? Thank God for Popeye. Okay, some of the other stuff. Anybody get? Anybody remember as a child they said to eat your cabbage? Yeah. For for good for you feel good so make you feel yeah really eat your cabbage eat your spinach eat your beets all the vegetables not even spinach okay boil boil yeah. not raw well we're okay so the white is all broad because we said the crew is only for mazon and not for refuah Ella. It can also be used for food because it's filling more than anything else. The sabata. Oh yeah, so again we said it's not good for the turnips to be in the house. Okay. He said to his Shamash again. Kichazet leaf tabashuka. When you see lefet in the shuk, you see leeks in the shuk. Lo temeli. Don't say to me. B'may karachta rifta. Rifta again. Karachin again is. If you remember a sandwich basically, and rifta is bread. Don't tell me what what that is. Go ahead and buy it. Okay. It's it's important. It's like it's like anything else. You could buy it, and just like anything else, it's good enough to, to eat. And we've just said above that it's not good for your, the bite, the really means in this case your digestive system and everything else. Mm-hmm. Ah, but don't eat it without meat. Don't eat it without wine. Wine, wine will kill anything, right? That's right. <laughs> Okay, so Rav and Shmuel are even getting into it. These great scholars, right? <laughs> so they, they, are, they all were into those foodstuffs, you know? Mibli basar, bili etzim doesn't mean it with trees, but it means cooked. <laughs> to make, make a fire. To make a fire with wood. Okay? <laughs> Don't, no, no, not meat. We're, we're still with the, the leeks. 
the leeks. The turnip. The turnip, sorry. I mean, you know, of all the things that they have to discuss, look at all the rabbis that are brought on this thing, okay? So, you know, going back, Richard, to who they were talking to? But again, you know, one of the roles of the rabbi, especially in those days, was not only to teach you halacha, but to teach you how to take care of yourself. Okay, you talked to somebody mentioned before about Rambam. The Rambam concept is, it says in the book of Dvarim, you should literally take care of your soul. The Rambam and others talk about that means taking care of your body. And therefore, that's, that is used a lot with teenagers with regard to drugs and smoking and alcohol and everything else. The Rambam did not take it from the point of view of the nefesh, but he took it in, the, in terms of, you can't have a nefesh if you don't have a body. And therefore, you have to take care of your body. And we have a lot of stories of Hillel going to the bathhouse, You'll recall the story and Ramagamliel and finding the uh, the uh, in the bathhouse the statue of Aphrodite and they said how could you go in there the, he said she's in my spot I came to do the bathhouse I didn't come to to see her there was clearly a sense of we've had hygiene before of toilets and everything right <laughs> we've had the importance of bathhouses we've had the importance of of norm now of eating these were eitzatovas these were the kinds of things that the rabbis were involved with because it was halacha isn't simply seen as X, Y, and Z in terms of, of you know you read this prayer and that prayer. It's a whole way of life, and therefore eating and taking care of yourself and making sure that you do the best in terms of hygiene and everything else is important because we all know that unless you take care of the physical, you'll never get to the spiritual. And that's one way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. At that time, wasn't body and soul one thing? Well, it still is. Body and soul weren't separated. It still is. That's why I said you can't. If you don't take care of your body, you'll never take care of your spirit. Okay, they're not. The Greek role was separate. Dachadam wrote a very important essay on that: flesh and spirit. But not until then. Okay, for the Greek way was the Jews. To, to, we he used it in terms of Zionism. Okay, the the political and the cultural Zionism being one of the same. But it, it, the concept, to a large extent, was yes, that that's the Hellenistic view is that they are separate. The spirit and the soul uh, are different than the body. But we had, and therefore, the concern with the body. The Greeks were not concerned. Were concerned with the body beautiful, right? But that's really about it. <laughs> No, 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 he went back. You missed the line. Let's go back and read it again, please. Okay, uh, um, so, uh, Sudani. Sudani, the, the way he takes it here is Chaklai, a farmer. He's a, it's a term of endearment. Or anything else, Anan Tavrinan Labivsara Vachamra. We take away its uh, uh, perhaps dilatorious way with wine, with wine and basar. I mean, if you can eat again, Ainsimcha Elav Basar Vayain. We're told there's no real joy unless you bring to the Suda 
meat and wine. Why? Because they weren't so plentiful. Again, they were considered to be delicacies. Atun delana fishlehu chamra. You who don't have enough wine, the might have ritutu. In which way? What? How are you going to get to be able to manage it? Okay. So supposedly, Rava and Rapapa, Rava has enough wine and uh, meat, and he says to Rapapa, "You don't really have enough wine." Okay. So the, the way Rashi says it, sheshtute shecharatem. You used to drink beer, not wine. Bitsive. Sive really means again etzim. Okay, in others are gonna gonna cook it. Now, Beitu is normally translated as, of course, the house, but Ishtozo Beito. Okay, so it's the wife in this case. Okay? After she cooked it, Tavrala Bitman Ufe Parsaita. Alright, she then basically cooked it as well. More than anything else, okay? Rashi says, "Bikiot shelay tzim gedolot aitas orefet tachet kaderet alefet." Okay, she would then burn it as such, with uh, un, with uh, in terms of cooking it as well. So therefore, you wouldn't have to worry about it uh, under those kind of conditions. Yeah, uh, unless somebody else had something else, I don't know. So you couldn't substitute beer for what? They were two separate things. Were two was beer alcoholic then? Yeah. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. But you can't put today. You can't put milk, beer, and wine together. You don't mix it. Okay, Doug Katan Maliach, a small salted fish. You want to say a sardine or something? It's not good for you, can it actually kill you? When? If you've been sitting for a week, for seven days. Or 17 days. <laughs> or 27 days. And some say, but 23. Now, uh, you know, again, why did they. Means you should, again, there's no refrigeration, there's no anything. Why did they pick these numbers? Simply seven, seventeen, twenty-seven. Very empirical. Yeah, very empirical. Right. Spoken as a scientist. <laughs> Spoken as a scientist. Okay. So again, it, it's all oral, right? So it's easier to, to meaning don't let it sit around. It ain't good. It ain't good for you and can actually kill you. So, and we're really dealing with it if it's not cooked. Okay? Or, or you know, but if it's cooked, it's not the same thing. We're, you don't leave it raw as such without the refrigeration. Once it's cooked, it's a different story. Okay, and when we're talking about that it wasn't done cooked well enough, yeah, but it's it's okay. It'll be okay if he drinks beer afterwards. There's your beer. Okay. 
Buzz, you drink beer afterwards, you're okay. Okay? Again, don't take these too seriously, but these seem to have been, again, without refrigeration and, and everything else that goes with it, this is the way they figured things out. So now we're back to the last part, the last few lines. And what about, remember, Mayim? Did you have to say Bracha Achrona after Mayim? If you and you remember, the response was if you're drinking it for because you're thirsty. Not including what? Okay, that somebody is be, is choking on 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 basar on on the, that uh, on meat. Him, you don't. He's not worried about a bracha. He has the Heimlich movement, maneuver, or he wants to wash it down. So finally, we get to, what do we actually say? Okay, you can see that's what we do say for those things that are not for Birkat Amazon and for Bracha Achrona, that's what it is. So now they're going to say, that's what you're supposed to say, presumably for water. Okay? Then they ask the question. Okay, and then Rava Sitbar Rav Hanan says to Abaye, or to Rav Yosef, who are major rabbinic teachers in Babylonia, what is the real halacha? What should, is the real halacha that it should be? And the response is... This is a very important phrase. Puk Go out and see ma'amadivar. What the people are doing. Go out and see what the people are doing. Meaning, the people have an enormous impact on what becomes the accepted custom and even the halacha. So before I talk about this particular phrase, um, so you, you, the Hilchatamai is basically, the, tells you that um, we don't really know what it is, go, wasn't, therefore go out and see. And the halacha, in Birkatamayim halacha, that became the custom, which we still, okay? before you eat it, drink it, and if it's the tzomol, nifashot. What is this phrase? This phrase is really very important. The phrase, what I, I would interpret it as Solomon Schechter's view of Catholic Israel. What do the people do? They, okay, in lo hem, hem, we're told. If they're not prophets, they're the children of prophets. They have imbibed the essence of Jewish life, Jewish law, and culture, and they will instinctively know what to do when it comes to Jewish life and Jewish law. It is ultimately what Schechter called Catholic Israel. It was an odd phrase, but it really is Kalal Yisrael, the entirety of people of Israel over a period of time, and it became one of the major premises of conservative Judaism. You have to take into consideration 
what the people do, how they act, etc. Okay? Over a period of time, as the people became, in America, not so observant, not so learned, so are you going to say, well, most Jews don't keep Shabbos, so we don't have to keep Shabbos? Not quite acceptable. So Robert Gordas, who was, again, one of the great scholars, interpreted the concept to be not simply everybody, but those who are involved, knowledgeable, learned, and observant. Those are the people you should go out and see, and see how they do it. One of the first um, programs that, that I instituted here at the congregation in 1988, some of you may actually remember it, um, when the, the um, conservative movement, Emet Bilmunah, just came out. And I invited, as our scholar-in-residence for the Robin program, Neil Gilman of Shalom. And Neil came and created an unbelievable fur in the congregation. Unbelievable fur after about four months in my life here. And I said, Neil, I can't believe what you just did to me, because he talked about myths, and not, and which was his whole thing, and not faiths in God and everything. He was, I literally had to escort him out of the Field Family Sanctuary, because there were a couple of people who were at his throat. Um, and I said to him afterwards, you know, I'm here four months. <laughs> I was having my difficulty as it was being accepted. Thanks a lot. Okay? Um, but I remember him telling me as we're having the discussions in terms of conservative Judaism that he, you know, I was in basically one or two congregations. He said, basically, you know, when I go around the, the communities and I speak, when do you light Shabbos candles? So, halachically, you light Shabbos candles. 18 to 20 minutes before Shkia. He said, but that's not where most conservative Jews are really doing Shabbos candles. They're doing Shabbos candles when they get the family together and have their family dinner. So if their family dinner is at 6 o'clock and Shabbos starts at 4 o'clock, they're going to do it at 6 o'clock. So I said to Neil, I said, I'm not going to tell people not to do that, but I can't profess that that's what you should do. Has its, its dangers attached to it too. Just because, okay, I understand a family dinner. I understand getting the family together and starting Shabbos that way, but halakhically that's a real problem. Okay? There's no doubt that Pukhaze had an infect it had an impact on the driving chuba in the early fifties. People were doing it. So you have your choices. People as the suburban sprawl started. Don't have them come to shul. Close off your parking lots. Or, as they found the tshuva, for some that was acceptable to at least allow it under certain circumstances, to driving to the closest shul, which is really what it is. Okay? It is a very important phrase, but it is also a dangerous phrase in that realm because it allows, shall I say, you know, the non-observed, well, we don't need this, so we'll do it that way. So the question becomes, how this concept of Catholic Israel, as defined by Robert Gordas, how it still plays out today in that realm. How much do you put into the hands of, this is what the people do, and therefore that becomes part of the custom of the community, the Kehillah itself. 
there is a, I believe, and with this I'll close because I think it's a, it's a great way to close, a tension that goes on at this point, at least in the conservative movement, between those who want to see it as a halakhic movement and those who want to see it more as a realm of communal Judaism, if you will. As long as people are, are, are involved in their Judaism, however defined, that's what we need to be able to do at this point. And there are tensions on both sides at this point. In my 40 years in the rabbinate, those tensions have become greater because they're without a doubt, and I'm not, please, you know, be careful, don't take this um, the wrong way, but assimilation and intermarriage and Jewish ignorance has just grown, and therefore the, the, the concepts of, you know, even if you didn't do it, you knew what to do, is not there any longer. Okay, some of your parents or grandparents, they knew, they ran away from it, but they knew exactly, if you brought them to a Shabbos table, they knew exactly how to run a Shabbos table, or a, or a full Seder, or to get up and daven if they really needed to. We don't have that today, and that's the real danger, because there's nothing to fall back on. And if we can't fall back on it, it's lost. So instead, we're involved with all kinds of educating. So I said before that, you know, if I wanted to say about keeping Shabbos, if I got up in, in, in my synagogue and said, it's basically Shabbos, why? Yeshribin. That's what it says. This is the halacha, etc. You'd all say, thank you very much, Rabbi. Find another job. Okay? Instead, I deal with the aesthetic and the beauty and the community, etc. I explain it differently. Do my rules change? Not necessarily, but the way I explain it changes. That's been a whole different change in the realms of, of where American Judaism for sure is today from when I started some 40 years ago. Um, that generation that knew that even if they didn't practice, mm -hmm. if not gone, pretty close to it. That's one of the things we say about day school is like my parents' generation, they had to learn to be American, but then the following generations need to learn children need to learn how to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a yeah, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And their parents can't teach them in many cases. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm finishing up. I'm watching the time. Okay, okay? so mm -hmm. it is very fascinating as always that in the midst of food stuff and what's good for you and, and this isn't good for your teeth and that's good for your stomach and this is shouldn't talk, you know, with have raw vegetables and all that they throw out a phrase that throws an enormous amount of responsibility on the people and the culture but has enormous ramifications in terms of Jewish practice knowledge culture, halacha and they're not prophets they're the children prophets they have imbibed within them kind of what to do and how to do it and you can according to this trust them. That's the change. So again, I, I complete you know, all of our study, which has been a privilege to do, with a phrase that comes in the middle of everything, and that's why you have to study all the stuff dealing with the foodstuffs and everything else in the sun, though it's not going to change your life, and then you get to, they throw out a phrase, which if you, know, if you look, even in Masorda Shatz, onto the right-hand column here, it's mentioned a number of times in the, in the Babli, in the Yerushalmi, the Babylonians, because it's such a critical phrase of understanding who we are and what we, we do. Jane. Okay. Well, this is kind of food Okay, last week,
week. I don't know if any of you saw a TV show. I happened to turn it on. And it was about how Christmas, all, almost all of the Christmas songs that we know are written by Jews. Did any of you see it? Yeah. I loved it. I thought this Jew can do something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is to the tune of White Christmas, and I <laughs> Berlin would understand. <laughs> you got to forgive my voice if I don't have I'm dreaming of a long sermon so I can have my Shabbos nap. <laughs> I pretend to listen. My eyes will glisten. The words a lullaby tip tap da 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 da. I'm hoping for a long sermon so we can have our Shabbos rest. As the service winds down and ends, all around me are my best of friends. I'm hoping for a short musaf, <laughs> just like the ones I used to know when they did not repeat the short and white And oh, I really liked it so. I'm Wishing you a good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom will also do. Though I know I should talk to God, God knows I'd rather talk to you. What a send off. I just need to report I got